Matthew Carnegie, one of the pastors at East Point Bible Church, and we are welcoming a new year with the Touch Points podcast. Today, I'd like to share something for all Christians to chew on, especially those of us in American evangelical culture, that I shared briefly with our church's ministry directors last year at our annual meeting. At this meeting every year, we get some fellowship over lunch, discuss any policies that are changing or just need reminders, and lay out a vision for what to focus on for the coming year. One of the areas I shared last year in which ministry directors could help our church grow was the issue of volunteerism within the church at large. And that's what I want to discuss in more depth today so we all can consider how God is leading us as we launch into 2023. Now, the first question popping into your head right now might be, what is volunteerism? Did he just make that word up? Or perhaps, wait, isn't volunteering good? Doesn't the church always need more volunteers? Well, let me assure you, first of all, that volunteerism is in fact a real word. It refers to either the practice of volunteering to support organizations or to those organizations' reliance on volunteers. And it can also be used by extension to talk about the mindset behind those activities, which is more the sense I want to discuss today. Second of all, volunteerism is a good thing in many contexts, such as when a school can offer more to students at no extra cost or at least less cost because parents volunteer their time and energy with the PTO or in one of the other booster organizations that exist. Or how about charities that can help numerous lives because people are willing to volunteer either to staff some of their functions or to operate the fundraisers that generate the money needed for other functions. In both cases, you have situations where people who believe strongly in the good that a nonprofit organization can accomplish are willing to give up time and energy to do things for those organizations to make sure they can fulfill their missions. That sounds an awful lot like what we need more of in our churches, right? Unfortunately, sounding really close to what the Bible says is not the same thing as lining up with what the Bible says. Charles Spurgeon once famously said, Discernment is not knowing right from wrong. Discernment is knowing right from almost right. Well, this is a classic case where we need biblical discernment to weed out something almost right. However, before we look at what the Bible has to say on this topic, I want to look at the nature of volunteerism to see if your own biblical knowledge flags anything about it as problematic. The very word volunteer stems from when something is done by one's own volition, as in desire or choice. In other words, it is something voluntary. If something is voluntary, it is completely optional. It is your choice. If you do it, it is because you wanted to do it. You thought it was the best idea at the time. You are in control of your participation. And since you chose to do it, you get the credit for being a decent enough person to want to help. Volunteering is something you choose to do if you want to, and it can't be held against you if you don't. Does anything sound not quite right to you yet about using this mindset in the church? Well, let's now turn to see what Scripture has to say on the subject. There are two primary texts to which I want to take us today that explain the attitude of a biblical servant of Christ, and as we look at them, I want to contrast them with certain aspects of volunteerism to show you why, even though it works great for secular contexts, it's not a healthy attitude for the church. The first one is Luke 17, verses 7 through 10. Feel free to pause and turn there if you'd like. Here's what it says. 
Which of you, having a slave plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come immediately and sit down to eat? But will he not say to him, Prepare something for me to eat, and properly clothe yourself, and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you may eat and drink? He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded you, say, We are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. Now, I know that may sound a bit harsh or even a bit extreme, but I want to make sure we consider two things about this passage. First of all, do you know who is speaking in this passage? Yep, it's Jesus Christ. And there's nothing in the context around it to suggest he's giving anything other than general instruction to any disciple of his, including Christians today. That means if we have an issue with this kind of attitude or expectation, we're butting heads with God himself, a precarious position to be sure. And that brings me to a second observation. Yes, there is a balance to be struck, that God loves us and looks at us as more than just his slaves. And there's plenty of scripture reinforced that. But we can't miss the point being made here that we owe God our obedience and service, that we don't get credit for doing what he expects. If we say we volunteer at church, we're saying that this is an optional activity, that out of all that's going on in our busy schedules, we were gracious enough to come help out instead of whatever else we could have been doing with our time. And by extension, there's more than a hint that we should be respected and or appreciated for having made that choice. How does that compare with what Jesus says here? Now, I already know what some of the objections to this might be, but before I address them, let's take a look at one other key scripture on the topic. Philippians chapter 2, 3 through 8, to more fully flesh out how God wants us to think. Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Again, feel free to follow along. Paul writes, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, also could be translated a slave, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." So here we see the expectation for Christians is to be humble and seek to serve others as Christ did. How did Christ set the example? I want to highlight that phrase from the end of verse 6. He did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. That word for grasped is a rare Greek word that comes with the idea of something being seized or even stolen. So even though the passage also says clearly that Jesus is equal to God, Paul is saying in this clause that because Jesus' mission was to be a humble servant, he refused to assert his divine power and privileges that he rightfully deserved when he was on earth, because to defy his mission by asserting his equality to the Father would be like robbery. 
that's getting into some deep water. But the point as it relates to the topic at hand is that whereas volunteers set their own agendas based on what seems best to them, Christians are called to be servants who subject themselves to what's best for the people around them, especially within their church. Another common issue for volunteers is burnout because they don't feel their efforts are recognized. But Christians shouldn't be upset because we feel like we deserve better treatment. Christ literally deserved the best treatment possible and instead chose to pursue what's best for others literally to the point of death. Yet all we deserve is the punishment for our sins that Christ took. No, I'm not saying we shouldn't take care of ourselves. This passage even concedes that. But I am saying that as humble servants, we shouldn't be picking and choosing when to serve others, and we certainly shouldn't fall into the trap of thinking that we deserve better than how we're treated when we do serve. So what do we do about this? What does this mean for Christians today? The first exhortation I have for us is that we need to change our mentality so that we don't let the culture around us affect our attitude toward what God expects of his servants. In our church, one of the things I mentioned to the ministry directors at that meeting last year was that I was eliminating the word volunteer from our vocabulary. And if you've been attending here, maybe you noticed that change in the way the staff has been communicating ministry needs. It's amazing how differently we perceive people's participation in the body of Christ when instead of a ministry asking for volunteers, they ask for servants. Or instead of asking people to volunteer to take care of a need, we ask for people to serve. It's hard to get burned out when we are serving God and letting Him control our priorities and their outcomes instead of trying to fulfill our own agendas. Once we think of ourselves as servants instead of volunteers, a lot of the baggage that comes with that latter attitude is easier to overcome because we're starting from a place of humility. The second consequence of this mentality I would exhort us all to adopt is to reconsider what the goal of service is supposed to be. Notice that everything in that Philippians passage is oriented around our attitude toward other people, not specific activities. Yet one of the key mistakes we make when thinking of how we fit into a church is by thinking only about what activities we do or programs we're a part of instead of how we're glorifying God by serving others. Volunteerism ultimately ends up being about what gets accomplished because if you're a nonprofit needing volunteers, you don't necessarily care about people's motivations as long as what you need gets done without causing any other problems. Having the right reasons why is a nice perk that helps when you can get it, but ultimately, you're most worried about your overall mission being accomplished by getting all the necessary tasks done. Christianity doesn't function that way, even though we're tempted to try to make it do so. God cares about our hearts, so it's entirely possible we can do all the right things but have wrong hearts that make those accomplishments meaningless. What's more, I don't think enough of us stop to think that God doesn't actually need us to accomplish his will. To borrow a phrase from Jesus, God can raise up servants from the stones if he wants to. If we don't serve, either God will raise up someone else to serve, or the opportunity in question won't happen because it must not be in his will after all. God desires for us to serve with willing, humble hearts because that is what brings him the most glory and brings us the most blessing. The actual task is secondary. Something I need to remind us of at this point is that church is about people, not programs. 
You may have been listening up to this point and come away with the impression that I'm trying to say that every Christian should be trying to get involved in every single activity the church advertises all the time. First of all, no. God calls us to do certain activities as a church, including gather around his word, pray together, sing his praises, and and serve one another. But most of them are not too specific about how often, when, etc., etc. The point is not how much we do, but just that we are obedient to be serving because God has set it as a priority for our lives, as opposed to a volunteer mentality that thinks we set our own priorities and finds other things in life to set above the priorities God has given us. Secondly, we are called to serve people. Programs are merely one vehicle to do so, not an end unto themselves. If you've talked to me much, you may have heard me say before that in the perfect church that won't exist this side of heaven, there will be no programs because everyone will do what needs to be done completely on their own initiative. But in the meantime, programs are a useful means to the end of getting people to serve the needs that do exist. Volunteers show up to keep a program running because they believe the program is vital. Servants show up because they want to bless people and see a particular program as their opportunity to do so. While serving in a program, if you think about how you are blessing people by doing so, you will probably become more and more aware of how you can bless people that way on your own instead of only during those allotted hours. Over time, you may find yourself serving your brothers and sisters in Christ nonstop without ever actually participating in a formal program, but more than likely, there are programs within your church that offer you unique opportunities to bless others that are worth your while to do. The point is that you are consciously seeking to serve people, not just fulfill a function because it needs to be done. Brothers and sisters, let us carefully consider the difference between right and almost right. Let us not take a good thing like volunteerism that is extremely useful for so many other contexts in our communities and allow it to replace the great thing that is God's design for a church full of humble servants. I exhort you to pray and think through how you view service in your church, whether more as a volunteer or more as a servant as well as where God may be calling you to serve in addition to, or maybe even in place of, where you may already be serving. I mean it. Tonight, pray about this and seek confidence in how God has called you as a unique part of the body of Christ to be a blessing to your brothers and sisters in order to strengthen the rest of the body. Thanks for listening. I pray it's been edifying. Check back next Wednesday for our next episode of Touchpoint.